0: grabbed you from your green room how was the green room (laughs) room awesome (laughs) all right everybody welcome back to another episode of for the love of dog brought to you by the little red dog i'm your host sean and i'm here with our founder pj rosh good morning pj good morning sean thanks for having me yeah thanks for coming how's it going how's your morning
1: uh you know it's it's been a morning it's normal and rescue, but we're we're going well
0: what's a typical weekend like
1: (laughs) Uh, but there's no downtime, if that's what anybody is thinking. Um, most days we, most weekends we have adoption events. On adoption weeks, weekends, we don't have adoption events. Then we are typically doing meet and greets privately or fielding calls about training or things, you know, veterinary care. We had a, we had a. Litter of puppies actually um, passed this weekend, so that was not the fun part. But usually that's, you know, all part of it. We're dealing with vets, we're dealing with people, we're dealing with training, all that good stuff.
0: And if if people don't already know, this isn't your only job either.
1: Nope, I work full-time and I also teach part-time, so it's kind of like my third job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into it. Um, I wanted to have you on today because I wanted to talk about um, how this all started, what got you into it. Um I think I have my idea why you and Steve are um so passionate about this but I really wanted to hear it from you. So why don't you tell me and the listeners how this all started?
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's that really that interesting. I think really I've been I've been uh rescuing dogs all my life. I just didn't realize it was called dog rescue. So if there was a dog at you know the gas station where we used to go and he'd be hanging out there for a couple of days, I would, you know, beg my parents to take him home.
0: Um And you've been around animals your whole life, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, Animals, everything. I love all animals. You know, some people are very dog people. Some people are very cat people. I actually just like all animals. So, um, but that, you know, that started when I was younger. More recently and how the Little Red Dog came to be is we um, had tried to volunteer at a couple of other rescues and. You know, rescues are all volunteers, so they um technically I mean they they sometimes they just are just overwhelmed and so they don't get back to you and, and that's part of the problem. So we tried very hard to do that and we couldn't. So I was transporting from uh from shelters for other rescues and you know, doing some of the things like that and I just, you know. So yeah. You were
0: volunteering as a transporter? I was trying, yes. Which and, we have a lot of now.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> But um, it just wasn't really well organized, you know, and I had also at the time we had just adopted our first pit bull and um, We kind of wanted to help more dogs like him and I had also read the book the lost dogs, which was about the Michael Vick case and um, You know, I just really wanted to do more and be able to help the the pities. And so that's I decided that we would just um, do the rescue on our own because we knew we'd be more organized both Steve and I have had own businesses, So we treat the rescue like a business. You know, we get back to people within 24 hours. We try to keep our information current and, you know, all the things that you would expect in a business, except that it's a nonprofit.
0: Right. I remember one of the first um, events that you guys had. It was, I think, through the uh, Irvine Animal Shelter. <laughs> and it was, so, it was so different than what you guys do now.
1: So, there's a lot of um, events like that. It's funny. Some, I've gotten some feedback that, you know, they, people think that we're not legit because we don't go to those big adoptions events. And um, if you remember that, it it was not a great event for us. You know, we, <laughs>
0: there was a lot going on. It was a
1: lot going on. We were very brand new. Um, we were at the very end. And the only people that came to look at our dogs were other rescues. <laughs> so, um, that was a little disheartening because we thought this was going to be this huge, you know, event with lots of people, which it was. But, um we didn't really um get any of that i think we ultimately adopted one dog like later on that happened that people happened to see there which which was cool but um, we, it was just, it's just hard. You're at when those big events, you know, you do get a lot of people, but then there's a lot of looky lose. You're competing with a lot of other rescues. Right, a
0: lot of volunteers. And it's just, it's food just, it,
1: it's kind of a madhouse. And um, we prefer, even though our events are still a lot going on, we just prefer the smaller events. It's just, you know, it's more one-on-one. People can spend time with the dogs and then it's more concentrated. So that's what we prefer.
0: So how did you guys transition from that into doing um, your current model of... I think typically it's an event every other Saturday.
1: That's right. Well, for one thing, we're trying not to burn out our volunteers. I mean, everybody um, has you know jobs and families and obligations. So we we could definitely do them every every weekend and still have um, and you know have plenty of people coming there. It's just that we're trying to be mindful that there are other people out there who have things to do so we do um like i said when we don't have the events we try to do meet and greets privately which we do so we end up doing that all weekend on the opposite weekends but we just figured it works better for your every other weekend and a couple of reasons is that um, people get your cadence so they know that you're going to be at the pet smart every other week so they know when to look for you and again that's um just something that works you know with everybody's schedules
0: one of the things that I run into when I'm um, people ask me about the rescue and they're asking, you know, what it is that you do and um, if they can volunteer, the first question is always, "Well, where's their shelter and where can I go to their shelter?" So, for those people that don't understand, can you explain how your foster network model works?
1: Sure. So we hope to have a facility of our own one day. That would be amazing. We could actually uh, save more dogs that way. But right now we're what is called a foster based rescue. And what that means is that all of our dogs stay with uh foster homes, so temporary homes they people take them in and they help us you know potty train them and make sure that they can walk on a leash and understand how it feels to be in a home you know watch t v you know in a quiet way with the family just part you know be part of the family. And that really helps the dog get adopted. So that's that model works really well. Even if I had a facility, we would still use fosters because they just help the dog, you know, understand what it's like to be part of the family. And these are dogs that... You know probably haven't had a good human in their lives you know whether they're puppies or whether they're three or four years old so that's how it works it takes a special person to be a foster i am not a good foster because i tend not to <laughs> want to let the dogs go um which you know people always say that Oh, i'm so sad i'll be so sad when the dog goes well the big the good thing is if you know would you rather see the dog go and be sad or would you rather know the dog got killed in the shelter because we had no place to put you know no foster to put the dogs? so fosters who are really good at it are ones that love the dogs. You know, they have a great bond with them, but then they also can see them go to their new home and be happy for them so that they can take in another dog and save another life.
0: So it sounds like really it's one of the best ways to help dogs reacclimate to being around people versus just sitting at the shelter all the time.
1: Yeah, definitely, and you know, and it's it's a tough job, and we, re- we you know we require people to have a really high grit level because you know dogs are going to come in, they're going they're not going to be potty trained, so they may have an accident, they may have uh, five accidents, you know, before they get it that they're you know they need to go outside. So it's you know, and you're reinforcing training, so it's it is a tough job, but it's something that really does help the dog.
0: So it sounds like it would be pretty tough to find something on short notice, then.
1: It is. I mean, you know, some people really want, think they want to foster, and then they get into it, and they realize it's it's hard, or they Sounds don't as fun really. as they thought. Yeah, they're not. It's not fun. I mean, it is fun. It's a great. You know, it's like I think about that old line that Peace Corps. It's the toughest job you'll ever love. I mean, I think it's like you know, it's a lot like that. Like it's really tough, but it's so rewarding. But you have to be patient. You have to be willing to like let the dog know that the dog is going to pee on your couch or <laughs> take a bite out of it someday. You know, that doesn't happen all the time, but there's definitely things that are happening and it's not because a dog is bad. It's because it, it doesn't understand that they're, it's not supposed to do that, right?
0: Well, Steve and I were talking last week that one of the biggest, um, the hardest things for new fosters or new adoptees is that the dog's not going to be perfect as soon as it gets home. And I think people are still surprised by that.
1: Yeah, that's it. always surprises me that people want a perfect dog, whether they're wanting to foster or adopt. And I, I call it the lassie syndrome. You know, people just want, you know, the dog that will find Timmy in the well, mix them the perfect martini, <laughs> and, you know, and never have an accident. So when people, you know, I've literally had people come up to me and say, you know, when they're adopting that they, want a dog that doesn't bark so we have stuffed animals around there and i hand them a stuffed animal <laughs> because i mean that's that all dogs will bark right. i understand they don't want a dog that excessively barks but the reason that happens is really for the humans to to figure out and that's because they're not walking it um you know correctly or they're not exercising it so it's bored and that's when they dig chew bark all those things so yes it is um very interesting that people want the perfect dog and they're very willing just to dump the dog if they don't have a perfect dog
0: I was I was reading just recently about that um, woman in the Coachella Valley that dumped all those puppies in the dumpster, and luckily someone found them on video yes. within the hour. <clears throat> that was a big, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, that happens way more than people, you know, realize. I mean, we just last year, I think we took three or four different litters that were dumped. Um, they weren't newborns, but, you know, there was a litter, I think, of six lab puppies that we took that had ringworms, so obviously, it was a backyard breeder who realized the dogs were sick, and then he couldn't, he or she couldn't sell them, so they um, dump them in a dumpster. You know, that happens a lot. Fortunately for the puppies that made headlines, you know, somebody did find them, and I think most of them actually survived, but, you know, there's a lot of them that that's not the
0: case. I just was so surprised that it made the news, because it sounds like from talking to you over the years that it's like it's a relatively common thing for people to dump dogs in that manner.
1: It is. Um, I'm not sure that the general public knows that. I think most rescue people probably know that, but yeah, I think that that's why. And I think the problem also is that she was... They were newborns. They were like a day or maybe that that day old. Yeah. So I think that was, you know, something that was really sad. And right. ultimately what I understand about that story, and I'll, and I'll commit, uh, confess that I don't know a lot about it, but I've heard that they um, actually went to her home and she was also a hoarder and had like okay. 30 other dogs there. So, you know, at that point, there's also some mental illness. And I, although I don't want to um, be in a position to uh, defend her, right. you know, obviously there was more going on than just wanting to get rid of the dogs.
0: So I mean, how many do you do you know off the top of your head how many dogs at this point that little red dog has gotten a chance to rescue and help?
1: It's over two thousand now. Um, you know, I think it's uh, maybe two thousand twenty. I don't know. I mean, exactly, but it's, we're we're over the two thousand mark, which I you know we're very proud of. Uh, we started about seven and a half years ago, and again we started. Um, just with the volunteers that were our family members, whether they wanted to or not, they had to volunteer at that event <laughs> that you, you mentioned. And it was, uh, it was a tough event for everybody, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's over 2000.
0: So between, you know, your, your day job doing this, teaching, um, the dogs at home, having to deal with Steve, <laughs> what, what keeps you going? Cause it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's mentally exhausting. I've seen how hard you work. I've seen kind of the horror stories. Um, I mean, just this morning, you know, you had a frustrating call with a vet. Um, why keep doing it?
1: <laughs> uh, but again, it's, it's crazy. Maybe I have mental illness too, but I mean, we do love it. I do, you know, enjoy it. There is, um, it is rewarding. It's, it's nice that, you know, I do, I said, I love, I love animals. So it's nice to see that you can help, you know, really turn an animal life around. I mean, you know, they're about to be euthanized in the shelter and, and, you know, in a couple months, you actually have um, them in a home, and they're, you know, thriving in the, with a family and being a dog, and that's the best part.
0: You know, it has been a lot of fun to watch the dogs that we've had here kind of grow into their own and calm down and develop their own personalities and become a part of the family, but it does take a lot of time.
1: It it does take a lot of time, and again, I'm, I'm lucky because we have, you know, the support here and you know, the family, again, whether they like it or not, you know, with you and Mackenzie and, um, you know, we, we have a dog here that we weren't planning on having and we've had him for a week and he's, you know, bitten both of us because we were pushing him a little too much. And, um, you know, in a week now he's, he's walking, he hasn't walked in months. And so again, it's just, it, it feels good. And it's not, I'm doing, not doing it because I want to feel good, but that's a benefit. Um, so I think that's, you, you take all the crap, (laughs) And that kind of makes it go away when you, you see that, when you see a dog thrive um, at the end of the day.
0: Well, I think that's, for me, that's been one of the most fun things about watching um, you and Steve is that um, you will sit down with a dog and it it really takes a lot of effort and patience and love to kind of um, get it to be less timid or less afraid. And, I mean, Buster's been a great example. I mean, the, their night... Uh, I was listening to Steve walk out and he had Buster on just a brief walk but he was so excited to just get him out of his cage and I think from from my point of view it seems like that's where the passion really comes from is that it's, it seems like what dogs offer to this family is that if you love them and if you're patient and if you're kind, you'll get something back and it's always fair and you can always kind of um, work through whatever the dog went through because unlike people, it, it seems like with dogs their past trauma isn't always represent it seems like they're able to kind of um relearn and kind of give everyone another chance
1: i'd say that's true i mean i think obviously they'll be timid if you know of certain people or certain situations if they've had a bad you know experience but for the most part they don't hold on to it and they can move forward and i think that is what's most rewarding And and what's nice about that what you just said is that you know when you help a dog and you um you get them to be in a place where they can walk like buster was such a a big deal last or a couple days ago because he's literally been with us for three months and he did have a broken pelvis so he was on crate rest but now he's never been on a leash in our since we've had him because he just was so scared and didn't want to do it and fights it and bites it so but the thing that's good about buster and other dogs is once you do show them kindness and get them to a certain point um they're they're not gonna bite the hand that feeds them. They're not gonna stab you in the back. I mean, so that is unlike humans. Not initially, maybe initially. <laughs> they're not, you know, yeah. There's, um, you know, they're only gonna do it if you're if they're scared and you're you push it. You know, you know, they're they're the most um, sincerest forms of just you know, nature, because they're very primal. You know, if you're nice to them, they're they're going to be nice back to you and give you so much love. And, you know, people aren't like that. You know, you can be nice to people and they'll still screw you over. So um, that's that's the difference and I think. And I think, that again, that's why it's
0: so rewarding for us. I think that's one of the best things is that you both, you and Steve both get so excited about um, getting a dog kind of out of that state and getting a dog kind of um, back to who it's supposed to be.
1: And it doesn't get old. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: hasn't. It really hasn't gone away. I mean, I've watched you both since you started, and you still get just as excited as you did when you when you first started this, which is one of the coolest things.
1: I mean, again, we do love what we do. It's There's always way too many dogs. There's never enough money, but, I mean, we always love what we do. It's never the dogs that are the problem.
0: There's always enough blankets and towels, though. Yes, there are. You don't need more blankets and towels. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after this. message.
1: Hi, this is PJ Roche, the founder of The Little Red Dog. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to For the Love of Dog. And if you want to help, we need donations always. Go to thelittlereddog.com and click on donations and save a life. Thank you.
0: talking with PJ Rosh, the founder of Little Red Dog, about how the rescue started. Um, PJ, what do you wish uh, volunteers knew before uh, showing up to events, before walking dogs? Um, What what would you like them to know before they show up?
1: So (laughs) it's a good question. I think, you know, little things, actually big things, but this is the normal order of business, you know, wear closed-toed shoes. A lot of people show up in you know, flip flops. People get hurt that way because if, if the dog takes off, you're going to trip, you're going to fall, you're going to lose the dog. To run. Yes, be prepared to run. No, we we haven't lost a dog in forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that, and I think that they think that it's just going to be so much fun and it's it's just a lot of work and you stand around a lot and you know you need to make sure the dog gets water and that goes potty so i think people see oh i'm just going to come play with puppies all day and yes that can be but you know there's other dogs there that that need you and it's not just about like loving them and petting them you know it's about helping them get exposures, show them to people who are interested making again making sure their needs are met that they're getting water they're getting their legs stretched things like that so i just you know know that coming in again you're volunteering to help the dogs
0: um you saying that earlier reminded me of that one um event a few years ago where um a dog got loose <laughs> and it ran across the parking lot um into the street i think adjacent to like um like um el toro yeah yes, yes. into the, the freeway and we all panicked. We all ran over there, and then uh, six or seven people stopped in their cars and got out and helped us.
1: It was pretty amazing. I really, <laughs> I felt really good about our community at that in that moment. You know, for,
0: people are oh, <laughs> good. Sometimes people can be
1: good. Every, you know, honestly, in this world, in this business, I realize that every day people just shock me in bad ways, and they shock me in good ways. And that was a good way. I mean, people literally stopped and was trying to help us catch. Um, Uh, Marty and we were trying to get him you know back and he ran us all over for a couple hours luckily we did get (laughs) him back and he was unhurt but um, yeah that was nothing I want to repeat
0: yeah no it it was it was uh, a scary time in terms of are we going to get him back but it was a very kind of um, uh, heartwarming (laughs) moment, definitely Um, and then what about your um, fosters
1: You know so we are really lucky we have our core group of fosters are amazing you know you'll if you talk to them most of them have fostered well over 100 dogs each and so they are amazing people they they're the ones that don't care if their couch gets chewed up or whatever um but for people coming in you know that they want to help I want people to know it's hard, it is hard work, it is really hard work because you're teaching, it's like having a baby, you're teaching them everything, you're teaching them how to walk on a leash, you're teaching them potty training, all of those things, you know, teaching them manners, which, you know, takes patience and it it takes time and I would just say that if you want to do that and you're, you're, you're really, really want to help, then you need to have that patience and understand that that dog's going to make mistakes. And when they do, it's probably your fault. It's probably because you didn't get them out to potty in time or you didn't have time to walk them that day or something. So, you know, come into it with an open heart and an open mind and know that no one's perfect, including the foster, but the dog will really benefit and really, it is really trying. The dogs do want to please you, so you just need to be patient. And um, that's really what you need to
0: do. I didn't know until you started this that... um... I didn't. I hadn't been around dogs when I was younger, and I didn't know until you started this that uh, dogs don't know how to walk on a leash automatically. You have to train them, and I still forget that sometimes now that we've been around it for so long.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, I think, think about thousands of years in their DNA. They do like to walk, which is why they have those bad behaviors when they don't walk, right? They dig, chew, bark, sure. all those things, get in the garbage. Because they want to walk, it's in their DNA. But no, when they're in the DNA in the wild, they don't have leashes. You know, they follow the pack leader. <laughs> you know, unfortunately and fortunately, we have leash laws here. So we, you know, you can't really do that even if you have a good dog that will follow you. It's best to keep them on leash. Um, but yeah, it is It is hard. You know, some dogs will, will um, go along with the program right away, and some dogs fight it, you know, a lot.
0: <laughs> Buster's been fighting it a lot. <laughs> Buster's
1: a fighter, but you know, seeing him walk today, I was coming back um, from an errand, and Steve was taking him out for... Um, For a walk, and I was, you know, it just really almost made me cry because he was just walking so well, like he'd been walking all his life, and he was doing really well, and it was really nice to see, and I'm sure he's happier because he can get out, smell, do all those things that dogs want to do.
0: Right. He's definitely getting more comfortable. Yes. Um, And then we've got Founder's Day coming up.
1: Yes, June first is our Founders' Day. Um, we do it every year in the Pittsburgh Park. It's a great time for us to um, get everybody together. We invite all of the people who have adopted from us. We start off with a hundred dog pack walk around the park, and we, um, you know, we do we do that, and then there's fun, there's food, there's games, there's um, raffle prizes. It is a fundraiser too, but it's mostly just to celebrate. You know, that we have been in business for nearly eight years and to see all of our um, our former adopters and um, our dogs. It's, it's great to see them, you know, with their families and
0: coming out. And then when's your next adoption event?
1: Our next adoption event is May 4th. It's a Saturday and that is at the PetSmart in Lake Forest.
0: Okay. Um, well, thanks for coming on, PJ. Anything else you want to say to the listeners?
1: No, just thanks. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Thank you for donating. Thanks for fostering. That really does save lives.
0: All right. Well, that's another one in the books for The Love of Dog, brought to you by The Little Red Dog. I'm your host, Sean. Thanks for listening.